You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. everybody this is in liberty and health episode number six i'm here with brian sanders from the film food lies and uh nose to tail nutrition brian how you doing brother hey man i'm doing well i'm fired up to talk about this stuff nice nice we were chatting a little bit off the camera about uh decentralization which is a, a big topic in the libertarian space especially now with all this you know craziness that we got going on in the last year and a half two years but um let's kind of start off slow um you know, what did your journey to health kind of look like? What kind of got you to your sapien diet? I see you talk about it a lot. And, um, you know, why do you think that's most sustainable and best for you personally, but might also be good for mm. other people? Yeah, it actually was kind of a long journey. I think a lot of people don't realize that it, it is a journey, like in the true mm-hmm. sense where I didn't do this from day one. And there's a lot of learning. And it started about eight years ago when I actually lost both of my parents to chronic disease. Okay. And so, you know, I'm 30. It, this was a bit young for this to happen. And it's kind of normalized in the modern countries, mm-hmm. right? It's like, oh yeah, it's Alzheimer's, cancer, type two diabetes. Like this stuff is so normal. It's like even the dad bods, it's like, oh, it's normal to just be kind of fat. And, and it, it never really made sense to me. So that was a wake up call. A lot of people need that wake up call, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes the wake up calls, you turn 30 around the same time where you just can't eat whatever you want anymore, <laughs> you know? And then you're, you're just like, oh man, okay. I got to figure this diet stuff out. Yeah. So it was at the same time for me. And I started looking into the nutrition stuff, uh, found out that, you know, everything was kind of backwards. That's when I first started realizing the government was backwards and they didn't have my best interest in mind. <laughs> it, it, and a lot of people, I, I, I consider myself in the freedom community here in Austin, mm-hmm. Texas, and just wherever around the world. And I have actually freedom events now. We had some some great ones with JP Sears and Zuby, two guys that are pretty vocal online. About yeah, this stuff. yeah, I love those guys. They're awesome. 
Yeah, they came. I, I organized an event in Austin. We had 220 people sold out. It was supposed to be wow. 200. We sold out. It was the best event of all time. People talked to me about it for months afterwards. Like wow. that was the best event of the year. We had the room shaking. People were on their feet. It mm. was insane. It was insane. We're trying to do another one. But I so my journey started with realizing that the, the food and health guidelines were bogus. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you're just like, wait a second. Oh, why? How come when I cut out all the foods they're telling me to eat, I got so much healthier, mm -hmm. you know, and then you, you start questioning everything and then you like move to the food system uh, or medical system. Well, you can do the food system in general. You're like, okay, what, so what foods are they pushing? Oh, these are the big food companies that mm -hmm. make all the money from processed foods and have the subsidized corn, wheat, and soy. And that's what they're pushing. And that's the whole base of the food pyramid. And then you're like, okay, well, then what else is going on? Who's funding the studies? You're like, oh, it's the same people. All the big food is funding them. And then, oh, what, what goes on in the healthcare system? Same mm -hmm. thing. Pharmaceutical companies, um, you know, funding everything, mm -hmm. using tricks, using lobbyists to get their way, using tricks, I say, as in ways to do studies where, oh, the study, you know, if it doesn't turn out the way they want it, they can just bury it and just mm -hmm. throw it away until they get their desired result manipulate statistics, make it seem like some drug is good. The whole thing, it's all about money. It's all a mess. So I, I kind of got red pilled in that food health world. And then, yeah, then, then the COVID stuff really, really opened my eyes and red pilled me the rest of the way. So that, but that's outside the food journey, which we might get to, but the, the food part, the food part was, was mainly from my parents turning 30, changing my health, I lost uh, three to four pant sizes. Like I was, you know, I was already, I always thought I was in shape, realized I wasn't because I just melted away all this fat that I didn't yeah. know I had, got rid of all my problems. I had like, uh, what is it called? Uh, like indigestion, like acid reflux type stuff. I had all yeah. these allergies. I had like joint pain. I had, it was just all this stuff that you're just like, oh yeah, I'm older now. This is what right. Life is like. And then as now I'm 38, I have none of those. I feel amazing. And, you know, I look way better than when I was mm -hmm. 30. And so, yeah, that's my health journey. Yeah, no, I was uh, going through a similar deal. I'll actually be 27 here in a little less than two weeks. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was a little bit sooner. Um, you know, I had seen a lot of my older family have health issues or pass away. My mom had cancer three times. My grandmother had died from breast cancer. My grandfather died from a heart attack and mm -hmm. just multiple family members that just had health issues. And I was kind of chalked it up to, well, I'm just getting old and that's kind of part of life. Um, but when I hit about probably, I think I was 23 or 24, um, I decided to go carnivore and I lost 70 pounds. I've since kind of oh, wow. came back from going carnivore, but I'm, um, you know, same deal. I was just chalking up all the aches and pains and the brain fog and the being tired and the digestion issues just, uh, oh, well, you know, it's part of age and you just got to deal with it. But um, little did I know that I would look better in my later 20s. I did in my early 20s and I feel better than I did even when I was a teenager. I was, you know, same deal. Like you said, a heavier guy. Oh, I'm healthy. You know, I work out. We're good. Mm. But um, mm -hmm. no, that wasn't the case at all. And I think a lot of people feel a similar way and you know i kind of wish that we could red pill them to how much better they could feel if they just you know fed themselves the right foods you know specifically the foods that we're told not to eat <laughs> yeah well yeah and now I, I just remembered your second part of your question is sapien diet mm -hmm. so that was kind of the culmination of my journey 
and it's still ever evolving, right? I'm always mm -hmm. just looking at new science, listening to new ideas. And I, you know, I have changed my mind, but there's some certain principles that haven't really changed. And to me, I don't think they will change because mm -hmm. they're pretty foundational principles, which is whole foods and animal foods as the base of any diet. And that mm -hmm. is the base of any good diet around the world. And maybe some diets, you know, in certain times in history or certain locations, if you're in Okinawa in the seventies and you only have tons of sweet potatoes. And so maybe animal foods aren't the base of your diet in a volume or caloric sense, but they are at the base of your diet in a nutritional, uh, just value, right? Like mm -hmm. they do eat fish and they have, they regard pork as a longevity food and it's highly prized. So they're eating, you know, good animal protein and, and other seafood, like, and, uh, it's very valuable to them. So I think it, it really is as simple as including animal foods as a foundation of nutrition for vitamins, minerals, bioavailable versions of vitamins, minerals, mm -hmm. and protein, bioavailable protein, which is much better than plant protein. Yes. Uh, and then, you know, including what other other whole foods you want to fill in your diet. And some people fill that in with more animal foods or more animal fat, mm -hmm. and that's perfectly fine. Or you could fill it in with some quality, you know, carbohydrate sources from plants, which could be potatoes or rice or fruit or honey or something, you know, natural. And actually, you know, I'm finding a lot of people don't really understand the large, huge, huge difference between certain plant foods and others. You know, they're just like, oh, okay, well, you're just eating, you know, whatever, just you're eating this diet. I don't even get w w why it's so special. Well, I, it's very purposeful. Like I'm not eating seeds and gr mm. leafy greens and tons of these like beans and all these things. These have high anti-nutrients in them. So yep. it's like a very strategic plant source food that I choose. And I'm, I'm using like fermented vegetables, like sauerkraut, like I'm not eating huge salads of spinach salads, like filled with oxalates. I'm eating yeah. a big scoop of sauerkraut, which has like 15 calories. You know, it's not even, yeah. um, it's not even a lot and it's fermented. And you know, a lot of these anti-nutrients can come out and the, the, it's just a lot better. Um, so that's a, that's a high level sapien diet, which it's just ancestral really. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just like, what did, what did people around the world eat? But some people, the carnivore community, they kind of just fall down this little narrow rabbit hole of what did a certain group of ancestors eat? Or maybe during the ice age, or maybe yes, during long winters, we would be very carnivore, mm -hmm. but generally we had other foods for flavor, for variety, for certain nutrients, for fallback plan, Yeah, <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. So I saw you did a couple of podcasts with Ben Greenfield and I saw him post a study and I kind of wish I would have uh, breezed through it, but um, he mentioned a study that said something akin to our ancestors used to carb load for their brain size. And a lot of people in the carnivore keto community tend to, you know, hyper-focus on carbs and think carbs are the source of all evil. It's like, there's nuance here. Like, you know, most of the foods that are hyper palatable are high in carbs and fats. It's not just the carbs that, that are making you fat. You know, they may be a driver, they may be part of the problem, but they're not the entire problem. And like you said, our ancestors did eat, you know, different roots, tubers and vegetables that may not have been the base of their diet, but the base of their diet was animal foods. And we know that's the most 
probably the most important part because that provides the protein to help build lean mass. And on top of that, the protein provides satiation so you don't have to keep eating, right? And that's what I really try to drive home with people when I talk to them about losing weight, about, you know, building muscles that animal foods really should be the center because that thermic effect of feeding, the protein, and the taste, everything about that experience of eating animal foods, I find enjoyable and incredibly satiating. And people who choose to exclude that, I think are really, really missing out. Well, it's insane. Yeah. I don't even know how you can. Actually, I had a long interview with Dr. Natasha McBride, who's the founder of the GAPS diet. And she was, she's very no, no nonsense. She was just like animal foods, build your body, plant foods, (laughs) fasting. Like it is, it cleans you. It's not, you know, she's just like, no, this is animal protein and fat. This is it. This is what your body needs. Your body's made of it. It needs it. Plant foods. Uh, it's basically like a, a, fast and Mm -hmm. it can try to piece together the protein and vitamins minerals but it's just not going to be fully done or as good right right and you got to think about how many you know how much plant food you would have to eat to get the same you know amount of calories that you would need from animal foods now there's an argument to be made there you know if you're looking to eat a volume of food to maybe feel satiated in another way but you then you also have the digestive issues of eating those plant foods you know there's certain um plant foods that people may eat certain fibers that may not interact well with people and i found that when i went carnivore that um i used to have the severe gut just discomfort Mm -hmm. after i would eat certain plant foods and i mean it was like just wrenching, you know, just standing there in, in pain and then it'd go away and then it'd come back. Mm-hmm. And then when I went carnivore, um, a lot of that went away. And now that I've introduced some carbohydrates, sweet potatoes, white rice, and the more easily digestible stuff, I never have that issue anymore. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a huge difference, huge difference in different plant foods. And yeah, people just kind of lump them all together. Or there's another thing is why I'm against the like calorie counting calories, a calorie, you know, calories in calories out. That whole mm-hmm. thing is just so bogus that you're just not looking at the differences between them or you're not accounting for protein, which is the most important. And all yeah, all the stuff you're saying, the TEF and um, say everything, satiety, like it's all, it's all about the animal foods really. Yeah. Yeah. And it's truly a shame that we, you know, we vilified saturated fats and animal foods for so long. And, you know, the vegan propaganda surrounding that. Um, so I guess kind of tapping onto that, how was producing, you made a game changers debunked film, right? And you had some of the, uh, kind of like OGs in this, uh, carnivore kind of world and, uh, you know, even primal kind of diet. Um, you know, how was that? And, uh, I guess kind of debrief that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, game changers, man, James Cameron's $140 million invested in his mm-hmm. pea protein is basically a big ad for his, you know, just go using pea protein instead mm-hmm. of real protein. Got his buddy, Arnold Schwarzenegger. It made a big splash, you know, it was all over Netflix. So many people said they're going vegan. So I just thought we had to, we have to stop this. We have to debunk it. We did in three weeks. Yeah. We got Sean Baker and Paul Saldino. We got little cameos, Mark Sisson. We got Dr. Georgia Ede, who's great. We got all kinds of people. It was Dr. Jamie Seaman. She was, you know, debunking, doing the blood test with the, with the cloudy blood, mm-hmm. you know, that experiment they did. The, those yeah. little gimmicks, like really, I don't know. They're very effective, right? They use a lot of good tricks in that mm-hmm. film to trick you. And so they had the guy eating the big old burrito and his blood was cloudy. And, you know, Dr. Jamie Seaman has blood spinning 
um, tools in her lab. And so she just ate like, I don't know, what was it? It was like five eggs and like five pieces of bacon. And she spun her blood and it was completely clear. Like, it, was, you know, um, so we just did all kinds of stuff to debunk. It was the same length as their film. And um, yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, I want to say I watched that probably a, probably around when it first came out yeah Yeah, it was thanksgiving i remember we tried to release on thanksgiving so almost even two years ago yeah and the one thing that you know i I think a lot of people got from that film was that um you interviewed lane norton and he said this and it kind of stuck with me that um when you're when you see two people who are knowledgeable about a subject it's easy to know when someone like knows more than you, but what's hard to discern is who of those two people is more knowledgeable in that realm. Mm-hmm. So when people are watching something like Game Changers versus your film, you know, people may get confused because, oh, well, Game Changers said this, and then now this film says this. So who do we believe? If you ask me, it's pretty intuitive. Mm-hmm. We weren't picking up broccoli out of the ground in the middle of the winter to go cook we had Mm -hmm. animal foods we probably ate mostly animal foods throughout the winter and then in the summertime we had the more you know readily available carbohydrates the fruits and some of the other stuff that we could cook and get easier without having to dig through snow or anything like that you know in the middle of the winter so if you ask me i i I think a more sapien diet you know carnivore diet keto diet even is um a little bit more natural to you know our our bodies and our species yeah, that's a good point that it's hard because it's also Arnold Schwarzenegger or, you mm-hmm. know, whoever else is in the film. So people are like, oh, well, that guy's famous. And like this Sean Baker is just some guy on Instagram Yeah, or, you know, so it, it is hard. That's the problem these days. It's a problem on both sides. You mm-hmm. know, absolutely. It's, it's a problem, too, because people believe anything now. And, and that's I mean, I, <laughs> I have my own views on what's going on in the past year and a half. But mm-hmm. a lot of people have bought into the mainstream, what I see as propaganda, right? Yeah. Because they're just like, oh, well, it's the government's telling me this. That's what it must be. Right. Or as uh, a lot of people in um, the libertarian space would call it the uh, corporate press, which I think is uh, relatively fitting because, it, I mean, it's the same kind of deal with the um, the health spaces that, you know, all the big pharm- pharmaceutical companies, you know, shake hands with the hospitals to pass certain drugs and hey you're only going to use these drugs well the corporate press essentially does the same thing you know you have all the guys from the nsa and certain parts of the government that go and work for the news corporations you know it's to, to put it a little bit bluntly but it's one giant circle jerk where all the lobbyists and you know high-paid politicians and if you want to call it the deep state just kind of all talk in a circle and decide what the allowable opinions are and what's allowed to be talked about yeah, I mean, I'm glad people understand this now. I'm glad that I kind of woke up to it because I was just like, oh, maybe it is just, you know, the health stuff is upside down, the food and the medical system. But then I started to realize now nah, it's everything. <laughs> it's everything. Yeah, no, that's it's, well, they're, it's they're kind of overplaying their hand, though, right now. It's absolutely. crazy. I'm like, yeah, aren't you, I was like, aren't you guys being too obvious right now? Like mm-hmm. you're, you're overplaying your hand. You Like it's so obvious. Well, it's kind of like how they conditioned people back in the day and i hate to use this because it's such a overused thing but Mm kind of like nazi germany so essentially what they would do is push people till they're just uncomfortable enough till they say stop right Mm -hmm. but when you say stop you move you know one step back 
and then they back up and they let it go and then they come up to you again and just keep pushing you further and further back and then before you know it you're a mile from where you initially stood and you've lost basic liberties which is what we kind of see is at threat um you know with all that's going on right now um so kind of tacking on to that we were talking a little bit off air about your decentralized food network um i heard you talk about it on a few podcasts and you know like i said we were talking about it briefly um this will definitely perk up a lot of ears in the uh liberty space so um kind of let us know what you got going on here because i'm definitely interested to hear more about it yeah well i've had meetings about it all day it's all i want to do kind of going forward because i see the writing on the wall you know you see all these like oh bill gates is buying up the land he's making the fake meat and then there's all the articles about you know the only way to feed the world to hit the climate change you know goals is with fake meat i was like that's wild that's like hilarious actually i was just going to post i was making a graphic to post about it it's like I ha- how come there's zero headlines about regenerative ag? All the headlines are about right. fake meat. It's like, okay, so the real solution, no one's talking about. Mm-hmm. But the fake solution is to just grow, use monocrops, chemicals, fossil fuel, blah, 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 and create all this fake food that you're going to get sold. Mm-hmm. When the real solution is the cow in the grass field. <laughs> so yeah, that leads to the whole decentralized food system. So see the writing on the wall, you see all these kind of manufactured crises i think you know supply chain this and that and they're shut last year they're shutting down all these usda facilities and the meat plants they're killing off animals like yeah. all this stuff was insane so the idea is well let's go straight to the source go to the your producer how can we do that i'm already doing that with nose to tail that's kind of the idea is i have my ranchers in texas and we have our own processing facility and we just box it up and ship it right there just straight to the consumer. So it all happens in West Texas and goes to you. So I want to do better though. I want to make it so there's nodes all over the country, right? And that we can feed each other in our own communities. That's the ultimate goal, right? That's the decentralized, that's kind of the, you know, liberty, whatever, whatever space you want to call it, Mm -hmm. libertarian agorism. Um, Yeah. Yeah. All this stuff. It's how can we do this on the most local level? And so we're trying to do that outside of Austin and we have different levels of the plan. I mean, we're trying to even help on a small level is micro fund regenerative ranchers. Like there's this lady with a bunch of hogs and she's underwater with debt. She, you know, she can't sell it. She, has, she doesn't know how to market. She knows how to raise hogs. She doesn't know how to sell them. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. she's in debt. So it's like, what if we can get some money together, help her out? I'm still trying to figure this out, right? It's, it's hard to, get the incentives aligned where so a random person from another state can maybe chip in a certain amount of money, but then have some sort of stake in her business or give her a loan and then get paid back on that and have some interest or maybe have some meat sent out as interest or to repay or something. So that's a a small start to it. But then we're also looking at just making um, kind of an anti-Amazon I actually teamed up with this guy, he's really big tech guys into the Bitcoin world. And he's been working for four years. He's, he's a good friend of mine. I didn't, we didn't know like, oh wait, we're doing, we want to do the same thing where he's building, where it's just a way to connect local producers with direct to consumers. It's, it's kind of like a virtual farmer's market, right? So 
we're, we're going to try to do these things and you have to start one city at a time and, and it's slow and, but it can happen. It's, it's just a matter of logistics of connecting food producers with consumers doing it all without as much, you know, intervention as possible. And then that could turn into even the, the highest level would be a whole community or nodes of different communities that so many of you want to opt out, right? I'm probably mm -hmm. talking to the right people here. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's <laughs> absolutely. like, how do, we, how do we opt out of society? But it's hard to opt out. It's not like you're just going right. to go live by yourself. So, so maybe I'm behind the curve because I, I really only got into this in the past two years mm -hmm. on a, in a deep way, but that we can have a community and we already have one in Austin. It, this is where people are congregating and we're looking at land outside of Austin, you know, we're like, okay, well, this guy already has a ranch out here. And, you know, this person wants to come and raise some animals. And then we have this, we're, we're looking at how we can get the pieces together to make this happen. And I think it's going to take one step at a time, but that really is a bigger vision. And I think that's what people want. And you can tell me if that. <laughs> What, what's, yeah, what's been done or what's been thought of, or if you know of any other projects or what? Well, this is kind of what the Liberty Sphere is all about, and especially um, the Libertarian Party Mises Caucus is one of our focuses, is, focuses is on decentralization. And, um, you know, when you mentioned the woman who's having trouble with a ranch, the beautiful part about this situation here. It's unfortunate for her in her current state, but there are so many people I guarantee you that are willing to say, hey, you know what, I could spare five bucks, you know what, hey, here. And then, you know, what? maybe enough people say, hey, I could spare five bucks, I could spare 250, I could spare 10 bucks, 20 bucks, whatever, um, till it's enough to get her afloat. Um, and then, you know, let's say she maybe just sends out, you know, some fresh bacon or maybe like a pork chop or something to all the people that supported her. Um, there are plenty of people who I guarantee you would in a heartbeat send her a couple bucks because they realize the importance of decentralization because they want to be closer to their food. They want to be closer to their community. And this kind of goes to a big theme that I've really talked about a lot on this show is kind of tight knit communities. We need to have tight knit communities that we can trust with strong families and you know, part of that strong family unit is going to be a healthy family where mm -hmm. they are closer to their food and where they're eating the food that is right for them, essentially. And if we can bring, you know, this local node of, um, you know, different farmers markets of regenerative agriculture, then not only do we make a better planet, we make a better community, we make better people. There's no downside to this. And I'm sure you're aware of it as well. Um, I'm blanking on the guy's, uh, the rancher's name right now, but I believe they said if we could just get 40% of the ranches in the U.S. to be regenerative agriculture, I believe only about 3% are now, then you could reverse, I think he said all man-made climate change for whatever mm -hmm. that's worth, but regardless, I mean, why is that not something we should strive for? You're going to make better food, you're going to have a better product, and it's not like it's that much more expensive and you know the food that people are going to be putting in their bodies is going to be much healthier we don't have to do fake meat fake meat we know isn't good for the environment you know yeah. when, you th when you look at all the processing and what goes into it and then the product itself at the end is just not healthy you got ingredients list as long as my freaking arm versus yeah. grass-fed beef <laughs> you, you tell and I, I get it's an appeal to naturalism but you know we know which one is better yeah 
No, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't like logical fallacies, but that I don't think this is one of them in, in this case, at least well, when it comes to food there. I think that is it's not a appeal to naturalism. It's just like a law of nature. Mm-hmm. Like you can't cheat nature. This is what I've been trying to get across to some people there. We can cheat nature in a million ways. An airplane. We're totally cheating nature with an airplane. Mm-hmm. Right. You can't do that without this modern technology. You can't cheat nature in the the four pillars of human health, I believe. Food, movement, sleep, and I guess I was lumping in like just like stress or something where you can't take a pill and just be like, oh, I'm going to sleep three hours, but I took the pill. Yeah, It's like, it doesn't work like that. I don't think it'll ever work. I don't think we're ever going to have technology that would let you just cheat nature with sleep. It's like, you need seven to eight hours of sleep and that's it. If you don't get it, you may think you're fine. You're not fine. I've interviewed enough doctors on sleep, experts in sleep. They're like, you are not fine. You think you're fine. You're like, oh, I'm fine. You're not fine. Scientifically, you're not fine. Food, I think that's one of them. You can't, it's almost like alchemy. If you're trying to say that you're gonna create a food that's better than meat, that's not meat. It's like, how are you gonna, assemble the sum of these parts that are better than the real thing i think that's it's physically impossible Uh, it's like this the speed of light like you can't get to the speed of light you can approach it i don't i don't know maybe in like 100 years 200 years we'll approach you know some fake meat that's like has something similar but it's still not they did studies about these the metabolomic studies with dr stefan van vliet and okay dr fred provenza's with them i have interviewed both these guys Mm-hmm. And they looked at the, there's 70,000 compounds, secondary compounds that are in say meat or a fake meat. And they're completely different. They're completely different. So they don't know all of them and you know what they mean. And they know that meat is healthier, but they don't know exactly why, but they just know they're not the same. Right. right? So it's like, you just, you can't, there's so much we don't know. Even they, they studied the difference between a really good regenerative, you know, rotationally grazed grass finished meat compared to like a feedlot beef. And it's, it's completely different. The, the phytonutrients. So you're talking about phytonutrients. Usually you think of plants, right? You got to eat a ton of plants to get out. You actually don't. You, we actually, if you're eating good meat that from, from cattle that eat a diverse diet, they're getting all the phytonutrients for you. And now they're proving that out with these metabolomic studies that they're doing mm-hmm. that they can see how many more of these secondary compounds are in the good meat compared to the feedlot meat. So I don't, I don't think feedlot meat is like going to kill you. It's just not as good. It's just it's not, not optimal. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, well, yeah, there was a lot to unpack there. I've heard a lot of people talk about that metabolomic study. Um, I didn't know that's exactly what it was called. I might have to look it up and put that in the show notes, but um, yeah, you, you got to think, how long have cows been around? And there's so many points to kind of go off of from here, but kind of two things real quick is that, you know, think about how long cows and most of the animals that we frequently eat have been here, you know, millions of years. And that, you know, they've lived long enough and survived long enough to be what they are today. You you can't just will that into existence by trying to make some fake meat it, there's going to be disparities in the quality and you know what, what you're getting and on top of that when we talk about climate change 
do you really think an animal that's been around for as long as it's been around is the cause of all climate change? Because you hear mm -hmm. that all the time. Oh, cow farts, you know, cow farts are going to make the earth go. We're all going to be living in a burning hell. And what yeah. AOC said, what I, I think it was three years ago, we have 12 years left. Well, well so far, it doesn't seem too, too bad. Oh, but, man. you know, yeah. if, if, if it gets that bad, I'll admit I'm wrong. But, you know, mm -hmm. I don't think it's the cow farts that are going to put us there. Well, no, it, it, well, it makes no sense. It's these animals co-evolved. It's like why grasslands exist is why cows exist is they feed each other. And it's this harmonious cycle that works perfectly. Mm -hmm. And it, I mean, I don't know how far you want to get into this stuff, but the CO2, I mean, the simple way I try to explain it with the cow, the methane, it's actually from burps mainly, is that this is not new methane to bring up alchemy again cows aren't alchemists they're not just creating methane out of nowhere mm -hmm. it's they're taking the co2 is coming down from the atmosphere it's going into the grass they're eating the grass then they're belching it out then it goes up and then it, it it breaks down into co2 and comes back down again this is this cycle that's always happened completely fine and it just goes and goes and goes because we're not creating new ch4 or carbon or hydrogen molecules but mm -hmm. All the, the real problem is all the big industry. It's all the, you know, these jets that these elites are flying around, flying around on that is coming. It's like a one-way street. It's coming from mm -hmm. the ground. We're digging it up and it's essentially creating new stuff because it's very deep in the ground. And then we're throwing it out in the air. So, I mean, that is a problem, but it's very convenient for all the big industry to blame it on the cow. It's so funny. Like when you just mm -hmm. think about it, like, just be like, okay, <laughs> what would the corporate press what was a good press release from the corporate press? So 96% of the problem is from them. Oh, we'll just blame it on the cows, you know? <laughs> it's great. Yeah, it's no, great. It, it makes for a uh, convenient scapegoat, but yeah. it, 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 it doesn't take much kind of pulling on that string to unravel that and think, wouldn't you think if cows were the source of this problem, like we would have been done a long time ago because there's way less cows in the United States now than there was probably even 50 years ago, a hundred years ago. If cows were the source of this problem, then, you know, what the hell? Oh, and yeah. I guess kind of tagging onto, you know, the whole meat and health thing. What's uh? What do you think about saturated fats? And you hear a lot of people talking about how saturated fats can give you a heart attack. Mm. And I read an article where they pretty much said, well, sugar's fine, but try to limit your saturated fat intake. Oh, I, I I swear to God, I couldn't believe it, but uh, that's, that's still, what they I said. I didn't know they were still trying to do that. It's yep. in 2021. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's why I'm making the film. So this is a long story that needs to be exposed. It starts in the 50s. Mm -hmm. And it starts when we didn't have a lot of good science. We didn't have all these instruments back then to do all the complex stuff we can do now. And so there was a debate. And you know, Eisenhower had a heart attack. And it was also right when everyone was smoking. You see that in the 50s and 60s, they're like smoking in elevators, smoking in cars. There's like babies in the back, <laughs> the whole cars filled with smoke. Yeah. It's wild. So these people are all the, also they're eating all this margarine and the, the new Crisco and vegetable oil. Mm -hmm. So they're smoking, they're eating all these weird uh, fake fats, which is actually the polyunsaturated fats, the ones that mm -hmm. they think are healthy. So they're, they're actually, uh, from all the evidence I've seen, that's, what it, <laughs> that's where the problems come from. And people, yeah, people start having more heart attacks. And there's this whole story with Ansel Keys, and I, I won't get into all the details, but basically they did some really shady epidemiology 
kind of, he just kind of like lined up the countries. It's like, Oh, 22 countries. Let's choose a seven that fit my hypothesis that show mm. that, you know, more saturated fat, the more heart disease people ran with it. Big industry ran with it. The food industry started just pumping out low fat foods that are, you know, they need to taste good. So they shove in sugar, refined grains, fake uh, coloring, fake chemicals, fake um, flavorings. And then we screwed. That's like when the the obesity and disease even skyrocketed even more is once we rolled out this whole avoid saturated fat and all this, you know, these fake food products, the food pyramid, all that type of stuff is when we got an even worse trouble. So, I mean, yeah, you, you could go in forever about this, about the cholesterol stuff. I've interviewed many cardiologists, actually I've interviewed three cardiologists about this, two engineers, mm -hmm. and you, they could tell you all about the saturated fat and cholesterol and why um, it's not to be worried about. It's, it's a context of it too. It's also, mm. um, people think like the LDL is, you know, the worst thing ever. It's, it's like, causal. Well, yeah. Well, what what it, yeah. It's like, you got to think of the context of this. It's like, yeah, if someone's eating pure fast food and they're 300 pounds and they have high LDL, yeah, it probably is a problem. And it's also a different kind of LDLs. It's small, dense particles, you know, compared mm. to the, the light fluffy ones. And you also have to look in, yeah, what's the HDL? What's the triglycerides? So when people, a lot of people in the carnivore keto group, they, they start eating way more saturated fat and cholesterol, but they're not eating a whole bunch of sugar and processed foods. Mm -hmm. They actually get amazing HDL. So HDL higher is better. So the HDL goes up, triglycerides go down yep. and, but sometimes LDL goes up. So it's, it's a bit confusing in our modern paradigm, but from what we know from studying, you know, ancient cultures from a whole bunch of stuff. We know that this is something we've eaten for all of history and that there's kind of more context uh, that we is not accepted. Again, I, you know how the whole corporate machine works. You know, they're not going to let out this information and just mm -hmm. say, oh yeah, we're wrong. Or like, oh, this is actually, you know, okay in this context. So it's kind of a big problem. Yeah. Well, you look over the last 18 months and there has not been a single whisper about health, about wellness. It's just, well, wear your diaper on your face, stay in your house, exercise is not gonna help you. Young and healthy people are dying from this on droves. You know, there's no difference. If you get it, you're gonna die. And, you know, I, I think if they were a little bit more honest, they kind of would have said, look, you should probably start exercising. <laughs> I got into an argument with a friend and I, I was making the point that young and healthy people aren't dying from what what's going on right now mm -hmm. and i mean it's pretty you know not debatable that young and healthy yeah. people are dying and he said well we've been telling people to exercise forever look and they just won't do it <laughs> and i i kind of had to throw my hands up at that point because all i could think is okay so you accept your risk if you're not willing mm -hmm. to exercise or eat better then you're clearly okay with the risks that come with that now, I'm not saying we should put a government gun to somebody's head and make them exercise and do push-ups till they puke and cardio themselves off a cliff. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you're not willing to take steps to improve your health, then you need to be okay with the consequences because, you know, you're not willing to make the changes. It's a great point. Yeah, it's crazy that no one's talking about it. I think it's funny. The only one that I've seen in, in sort of the quote mainstream is Bill Maher. I, I don't watch his show, but mm -hmm. people send me clips and it's great. Cause he's like shouting, he's like, what is going on? No, one's talking about this. He, we could have, 
changed people's lives. Mm-hmm. It's been a year and a half. He, he, you should watch these monologues he's done. They're so good. Uh, I know people that lost half their body weight in a year, in mm-hmm. one year. That this woman, she, well, she went carnivore actually. She was 280 pounds. She's now 140. You, people don't recognize her. Mm-hmm. People think the pictures are fake, the side by side. A year and a half is a long time. Yeah, yeah. There was these messages. People would get their act together. Maybe this guy who's saying, yeah, people don't exercise anyway. Yeah, maybe because there was no urgency. Mm-hmm. And yeah, people are lazy. I get it. But now that we have this huge thing, if there was a huge campaign, they're like, all right, everyone, get your act together. I know no one exercised until now. Now it's time. Now we know about the metabolic health of people and how that affects their morbidity. Now we know. And then maybe people would actually do it for, you know, they would actually wake up and they'd have these wake up calls. Like, you know, I had with my family, you need a wake up call. This was COVID was a wake up call. Instead, the wake up call was, yeah, face diapers and just like stay home. That like, that's mm-hmm. how, somehow that was what people took away from this. Mm-hmm. You stay home, wait for your vaccine. And then, um, you know, if that doesn't work, then wait for your booster. And then if that doesn't work, we'll wait for the next six boosters that are going to come out in the coming years. We we'll just outsource your immunity. I love that. It's like, yeah, it's so wild. It's like, I never heard gonna, it put that way. Um, immunity as a service. There's two things. Mm-hmm. It's really funny because I used to be in the tech world. It's like, yeah. you know, there's software as a service. There's like food delivery. You know, there's all these different things. It's immunity as a service. It's like, you got to sign mm-hmm. up for the government plan for immunities of service and you're going to outsource your immunity. It's like my whole crowd here in Austin, they're all on the same page. Everyone focuses on their own immune health. No one needs any government shots. No one needs any of this stuff. They're like, yo, I eat well. I've been doing this for years. Mm-hmm. I've, I have my own immune health under control. And then the other half of the people, it, it really is a different type of population out there, right? That they're just like government. Uh, give me immunity. Tell me what to do. I'll stay home. I'll wear the, the diaper, just do whatever, like, just give me immunity. I'm going to outsource it. It's so funny. I can't, I never heard it put that way before, but that's really funny. Yeah. Outsourcing (laughs) immunity. Um, and it was hysterical because everyone kept telling me, Oh, you don't want it. You don't want it. You don't want it. And my fiance and I had COVID at the end of, um, the end of March, and early April. And I remember it's such a funny story because I, I felt like crap for a couple of days, like not even that bad. Like I still could have walked, worked out, mm-hmm. did whatever I wanted to do. And then we were going to bed and we had our one dog in the bed with us and he kept sneezing and sneezing and sneezing. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, dude's got COVID, dude's got COVID. I woke up the next morning, I took a sip of my coffee and I felt perfectly fine, right? At that mm-hmm. point, no problems at all. Took a sip of my dark roast coffee and I'm like, something's not right. Yeah. And I had steak, eggs, and bacon for breakfast. And I took a bite of my bacon. It was actually pork belly bacon from Butcher Box. So mm. it's like real peppery. Mm-hmm. It has a very distinct taste and it's delicious, but I couldn't taste it. I'm like, huh, I think I got COVID. And yeah. like, it, it wasn't a big deal at all. I didn't feel bad, but you know, I took alpha-lipoic acid. Um, I think I had vitamin D, zinc, and I still worked out every day. I still mm-hmm. did all my walking that I do wasn't a big deal at all but you know my bmi is an insanely high i'm an active person i eat well it's not that hard and like you said a year and a half is a long time you could lose pretty much all the weight you need to lose 
in that allotted amount of time and real quick before I throw it back to you, you just had Stan efforting on not too long ago. And I believe he said in that podcast, if not that one, then um, other ones, a majority of the benefits you'll see from weight loss and health overall come from like the first, uh, what is it like 10, 20% of the weight loss. So it's not like you have to make a huge improvement. It's not like you have to go running six miles every day and work out for two hours at night. You could just lose a little bit of weight and change your habits just a tad, and you'll see drastic improvements. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That stuff happens quick because I work with Dr. Gary. Like, you know, we do sapien stuff with a real medical professional. So, and I get to work with patients sometimes. And man, you can get people off medications in three weeks. Wow. Yeah, it is that that first couple of weeks a lot. You can change their blood sugar overnight, even. I mean, if you, it's not like I'm saying you can heal overnight or anything, but you can yeah. start changing your blood sugar. You know what I mean? I mean, that, that really is, if you just stop eating like a bunch of processed carbs or carbs in general and fast for a little while, mm-hmm. I mean, yes, you will change it overnight. You could get into ketosis that quickly, it's sort of a mild ketosis and, you know, have mm-hmm. even blood sugar. So yes, you can get a lot of the benefits very quickly because your body well, has been treated so poorly for so long. Mm. It's all of a sudden you, you give it more of this equilibrium and then yes, the weight loss will take longer, but man, I wish people would know about it. People just, no one cares. Yeah. No one, no one cares. I don't know. I don't know. They have to have something happen, but the problem is from what the media has told them, if something happens to a relative, then they just blame it on COVID and there was nothing they could do. Mm-hmm. When the wake up call should have been, this is what COVID does. It preys on people who are metabolically unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Like this should be, oh, I was thinking of this thought experiment. What about, okay, what if five years, say five years since alien came down, was like, all right, guys, in 2026, there's this thing called Grovid that's going to come <laughs> and it's going to attack all the metabolically unhealthy people. It's going to get, elderly it's going to get obese type 2 diabetics all this stuff most anyone else is fine kids are fine all that do what you will do you think people would be like oh maybe i should take a look at what i eat and work out i got five years here obviously there'd be this worldwide movement Mm -hmm. everyone would be doing everything everyone would be working out they'd be like eating whole foods i hopefully people wouldn't just go vegan or something because that's what they think is something but (laughs) yep you know what i mean it would be this insane worldwide phenomenon Mm -hmm. well instead COVID, not 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 a word not a word no one cares no one's talking about it well you know what's funny is that it doesn't have to be one or the other we don't have to outsource immunity to go exercise or you don't have to outsource immunity to not exercise you could have both and i've heard a lot of people talk about this where if you get healthier then the effect of the vaccine is actually better so you know why does this have to be like a one mm-hmm. or the other thing with a lot of people people think oh well you know what i'll just go get the vaccine and i'll be fine well maybe you won't be it might mm-hmm. lessen your symptoms a little bit but i mean you know, still breakthrough case. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And there's so much there that we just don't know. So, you know, my thing is, why shouldn't we find out how healthy we really can get? If this is preying on people, and you have a chance to not die from it, or have an easier time with it, then why wouldn't you put all your eggs in the basket of just getting healthy? Because at least that way, you could say, all right, 
I did what I could to make sure that if I did get this, I'm good, yeah. you know, but you never heard that. And it, it boggles my mind and kind of like we we're talking about earlier. It's not like you have to do any drastic changes, eat a little bit more whole foods, start walking after meals. I mean, just those two things alone will be huge. <laughs> Don't look at your phone for a half hour before you go to sleep. You know, just those three things alone, even just the first two, you'll see drastic improvements in your health. Just the first two, I'd say, just take what you're eating now. Okay. Whatever, whoever's listening, you have your food, you know, pretty, pretty much people have their normal diets that they like to do. Okay. There's going to be a portion of that that is processed fats or processed carbs, right? That's any cereals, that's any desserts, that's pasta, that's Fried bread. Foods fried foods. Okay. There's a certain portion of your diet. That's that. Okay. I'm not talking about fruits, vegetables, anything else. Just, we're talking about the process, highly processed grains and sugars, and even vegetable oils. If you replace that with more meat done. Okay. Replace mm. the processed fats and carbs. So vegetable oils, refined grains, sugars with more meat done. You can still have your fruits and vegetables. You can still have your potatoes. This is like the simplest thing that would be life-changing. If people did this, you're, you're eating more meat, you're, you're eating more eggs, you're eating more fish. You're, you're doubling up on your animal foods. You're cutting back on the processed foods. You are fine. And then uh, icing on the cake, go for a walk after meal, throw around some weights. Mm. That's it. Yeah, you know, you see so many people that, like I was saying earlier, just want to jump right off the cliff of exercise and diet. And it's not like you have to do that. It doesn't have to be such a drastic lifestyle change. Because when you look at it that way, then you may think, oh, well, I'll never be able to do all that. So it's just unachievable. I just won't mm -hmm. do it. It doesn't have to be that way. And it's a shame that the corporate press never came out and said, look, it was just start walking, you know, <laughs> look at what Pokemon go did. You know, you remember uh, that everyone yeah. was walking over that, you know, oh, and it wasn't like it was anything ridiculous. I don't know. Just people need to get out a little bit more and, you know, you feel better when you're out in the sun and only that we know that COVID doesn't really spread outside. So why not go outside instead we shut the parks down and outsource immunity to, uh, mm. you know, the, the big corporations and let them kind of tell us what to do. It's insane. Actually, that's why I left LA. That was the last draw. They, they closed the volleyball courts on the beach. And that was, that was my thing. I was like, this is what I do. I go get my son. I get my vitamin D, get my exercise. I spend time with a whole bunch of cool people and you all shut that down. Yeah. They put, they bulldozed sand because people bring their own nets because they took down the nets. They bulldozed uh, sand into piles. So you could not play on them. God, I forgot all about that. I'm yeah. like, I'm out. I'm out. I was completely out on that moment when I drove down the PCH coming home, you know, drive from Malibu down to Santa Monica. You see these big piles of sand. I was like, all right, Texas, here I come. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And uh, no looking back, huh? No chance. <laughs> all right. Well, we've been going for probably a little over 45 minutes, closer to an hour, man. Um, go ahead and plug your stuff and make sure you let everybody know how we can get a hold of you and kind of get in on this decentralized food revolution because this uh is very very exciting for me and i'm sure as soon as other people oh, hear it, they're gonna be very excited as well well yeah we need some help on that because we're still shaping it up you know like i i just saw rob wolf posted about it so i messaged him 
So we're going to, we're just going to try to collaborate, right? It's like, mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to get on the horn with him, see what we can figure out. People have ideas. We need ranchers to reach out. Uh, I'm trying to get up a, a landing page right now, sovereignhumans.org. So uh, right now the domain, the name servers are changing and it's taking a long time for it to go live, but it's sovereignhumans.org. We're trying to get the resources there. We have a survey so you can fill it out, you know, like, hey, this is who I am. I'm a rancher. I'm in Texas. I'm, you know, I do this. I'm here. We have um, like a, a network we're trying to use, freelynetwork.com, which is just a private network with like uncensored, but it's like more for actually communicating and building community, not just like posting memes and stuff. So people can join that. And man, yeah, we just need, we just need people and ideas. And I love the, the tight knit community. I mean, that's ultimate vision is build a whole network of tight knit communities. That's the ultimate Absolutely. goal. That's what sovereign humans is. I mean, there's a lot of people out there. Once you start talking to people, then people come out of the woodwork. Like I started talking about this and they're like, oh yeah, I had, you know, four investors and we were looking at land and we were going to do this. And then someone's like, oh yeah, I got a buddy who's, you know, done this over here. And like, I know a guy in Australia, this guy mm -hmm. who got kicked off of social media is like a celebrity chef. He's actually the guy that made the magic pill. Did you, you see that keto film? Was that uh, Pete Evans? Pete? Yeah. Yeah. He got kicked off social media. He was like the most docile dude ever. He's the man. He's like my favorite guy ever. He came to uh, LA and we'd hang out whenever he was in LA. Nicest, most positive, genuine guy ever. I can't believe that. I've listened to a ton of his podcasts and we're kind of going off track here, but he was like the nicest dude ever. He like tells all his guests he loves him. Like he does. No, it was so <laughs> crazy. He like told me he loved me. I was on his show. I was like, holy smokes, this guy is amazing. He's so great. So mm -hmm. great, especially in person. He had like a million and a half Facebook followers and he started wow. speaking up on the COVID stuff, got booted off Instagram, Facebook, everything. And last I checked, they had a hundred acres outside of the city in Australia somewhere. Oh, nice. And he's just, just doing it. I wonder if they're locking him down in his hundred acres. Oh man. <laughs> I don't know what's going, what's happening. They're probably going to like arrest him for just living freely outside of society yeah, for, for the crime of being outside of a uh, civilized society yeah peacefully not... living amongst the animals being uh you know one of the world's top chefs yeah <laughs> but well so yeah so what i'm saying is there's a lot of people trying to do this and the real magic is going to happen when there are a bunch of these and i think of them as nodes because mm -hmm. the whole point is you you can go visit these nodes and it's just part of the bigger network right it could be a worldwide network of like-minded people, tight-knit communities. And then it's like, hey, let's go to Colorado. Let's like check mm -hmm. out the Colorado one. We're gonna visit them and you know, see what they're all about and learn from them and find great people. This is the future. Like there's, it's so clear to me that this is what needs to happen, what's gonna happen. I, I think this whole COVID thing is kind of a blessing in disguise where it's, mm -hmm. it's getting all these people that understand how humans are supposed to live they understand how it's so amazing how many people are on the same page. Once I got out here to Austin, I talked to someone, I meet them through, cause you know, it is through the network, right? It's not like I'm randomly meeting someone yeah. in an alleyway. It's, it's through the network and all the, they're clued in. They're just like, Oh, of course I eat tons of meat. And I know exactly why meat is the healthiest food around. And they're like, Oh, of course I'm opting out of immunity as a service. 
like, of course I have my own business and I'm successful and I'm smart. It's just like a given they're, they're in shape they're, It's just amazing how this is driving people, the like-minded people to connect. And mm -hmm. it's an opportunity for us to create these new societies. And it doesn't have to be some hippie commune where everyone's like growing vegetables and, and, you know, like, I think that's part of why the communes fail is they're all, they're all like these plant-based societies. <laughs> also the leaders always just trying to bang everyone's wife. That's part of the problem. So we're not going to have any of that. We're, it's not going to be um, some cult leader stuff. It's going to be like, we can still participate in society in some sense. And yeah, I'm not saying we're going to have some cult in the woods. I'm saying it, it is kind of just a decentralized food network. That's what, where it begins is we, like, okay, we're out, our outside of Austin. We got some land. We can go back into Austin anytime we want. We can sell meat. Our, we, I want to be like the Amish, right? The Amish nice. got it figured out. People leave them yeah. alone. People leave them alone. Tell me, I want to, I want to get a religion going. The religion is just natural <laughs> living, you know? Like, it's just like, hey, we're just humans. We're sapiens here. We're just trying to like farm and eat like we used to. We're just trying to grow animals. And these Amish guys figured it out. They they just sell their goods. They sell their meat and eggs mm -hmm. and milk and all that stuff. We could do that. We could do that all over the country in these different nodes with people, you know, grouping together. It, you don't have to. That's what I'm saying. You're not starting a cult. You're not opting out of society mm -hmm. completely. You're just doing things in a better way and trying to just kind of just go a little bit outside, right? And, and then let's pool some resources. And then it's like, Hey, homeschool. I don't want to just homeschool by myself. Like let's, let's get a network of homeschools. Mm -hmm. Like let's, you know, let's start figuring this stuff out. So that's what we're doing. We're open to ideas. Uh, sovereignhumans.org. Just email us info at sovereignhumans.org. Go to the website. Hopefully the landing page is up. I'm telling you, this is just a group project. I don't know where it's going to lead. It's not, supposed to be like a money-making venture um it's supposed to be a group venture <laughs> to make a better society and yeah i think it starts with food right and maybe mm -hmm. that is i mean there is a business side to it right you have to have so if, that's what i'm saying if we start growing our own food in a in a specific area outside of austin we can start selling that overflow mm -hmm. to people then it's a self-sustaining system then it's like okay let's build some more infrastructure all that type of stuff so there we go. Nice. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people are really going to resonate with that because I know I kind of felt it when you were talking about it, especially when it comes to the homeschooling and stuff like that, because, you know, I think that right now we are witnessing the U.S. kind of come towards this collapse that we've heard about. Um, all empires fail. And I definitely think we're, like I said, starting to witness that. And we need that social fabric, these networks, these nodes, these tight knit communities that are going to be able to pick up the pieces when everything falls apart. And what you're doing, um, there's a great Liberty podcaster named Tom Woods. He has the Ron Paul homeschool, which is a, a whole homeschool curriculum that teaches um, American history pretty much through a different lens. And Austrian economics. Um, I think there's a lot of the groundwork here and we just got to get everybody networked together. And that's really what I hope to do here is to bring the liberty and health worlds together or to at least get the people talking. And then that way, you know, we can really push this decentralized revolution and this 
kind of not necessarily a new society, but, you know, just laying down the groundwork for, you know, communities to be communities again, where we know our neighbors, where we know our ranchers, we know the you know your neighbor's kids and you trust your neighbor with your kids your neighbor trusts you with their kids and everybody kind of helps each other out that's what america once was and i think that's when america was with was its greatest when we had these communities and families because we didn't need a giant government to supply us with you know welfare warfare and everything that does now it was never meant to be that way it's meant to be tight-knit communities and a decentralized society. And I think that's a way that we got to move forward. So the work you're doing is awesome. Your podcast, Peak Human Podcast, is incredible. I've listened to definitely all the episodes. Um, mm. I definitely tell everybody to peek the ones with Ted Naaman because I've oh, he man. he's yeah. just the man. He uh he really knows how to kind of speak metabolism and insulin resistance in a language that just about anybody could understand i always heard people talk about it and i never understood it until i heard him explain it um and he's another guy that kind of talks you know sustainable and you know the efficient ways to lose weight so um yeah go ahead we'll uh plug a few more things and we'll get on out of here man yeah well thank you that yeah peak human is what i do while i'm making the film i just started interviewing all these people and the film's taking forever so yeah the film is called food lies it's uh, going to take forever. We're trying to get it on Netflix next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, go to saping.org. That's kind of my main landing page that has links to everything. Nice, nice. All right, well, I would love to have you and Rob on sometime when you guys keep moving forward with this uh, decentralized revolution, the uh, food oh, business. Man. I'm really, really interested to hear more about it, and I'm going to pump the shit out of this mm-hmm. show to all the liberty-minded people and try and get in the hands as many people as possible to kind of get everybody's gears turned and hopefully we could really make something fantastic happen sooner rather than later man so uh oh, man. I, I really appreciate you coming on you've done me a huge favor and like i said i think people's ears are really going to perk up when they hear a lot about this so uh again thanks man yeah thank you yeah this is what we need it's all about just a community yeah that's it it's like we bring people together and we can do this nice All right. Take care, man. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.